What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul Pade. I'm here with PD, my co-host. PD, say what's up. What's up? All right, so we're going to... This is kind of an end to, I guess, the mini-series we've been having for the last couple of episodes. If you haven't seen it, check it out. We went over a lot of the top quarterbacks in uh, this year's draft class. And now that the draft's done and we now know where all of, like, the top prospects and some of the other secondary prospects have gone. This is just going to be an episode to talk about their their a quick recap of their play style, see how they we think they fit on their teams and how we wanted those teams to build around them. But before we get into that, there's been a couple of other massive quarterback uh, moves, deals, whatever you want to call it, in the league. And I'll let PD get started first with Lamar Jackson, who got a record-setting contract, the one he'd been asking for for a while now, and he's finally gotten it. Yeah, so Lamar Jackson um, sets the QB market with a five-year, $260 million contract um, with a massive amount <clears throat> guaranteed, um, over $200 million. And it's a huge win for Lamar. Um, very happy for him uh, to get this deal. Um and then just kind of thinking about it from uh, the Ravens with a team building standpoint. So now that we know uh, Lamar is back, uh, they've added a significant amount of uh, receiving talent to, to that uh, team in general. And um, with the additions of Zay Flowers, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., um, the continued development of Rashad Bateman um, and Nelson Aguilar um, and Isaiah Likely as well. Um, I think that the Ravens can reasonably post like, a pretty solid receiving core this season, which is something that we haven't really seen, um, especially in terms of the depth of the receiving options. Um, in 2021, we had um, Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown uh, forming a pretty solid top-end duo. Um, but beyond that, the the depth of that receiver room was pretty poor. Um, so it's good to see a change um, in the way that they're kind of structuring their offense. And bringing in Todd Monken, um, he's... Uh, I think we'll touch on it a little bit when we discuss Stetson Bennett later, but the the way that Georgia ran their offense um, is is pretty different to the way Greg Roman wanted to run offense, and I'm pretty excited to see the the way that the movement could affect uh, Lamar's play style um, going into the 2023 season. Yeah, this was huge for the Ravens uh, because I honestly don't know where they would have gone to if they didn't re-sign Lamar. And I really do think for years now they have, even though they haven't done a great job of it, they have been building for Lamar. I think this is the team uh, he should be on. So for first things first, it's a great thing the deal got done. He completely deserves it. And as far as the roster construction, I I do agree with PD in the sense that I like the way they're building their receiver core a little bit more now. Uh, I still think they could do better. Guys like Odell, who uh, they signed, uh, is at this point probably going to play a prominent role in their offense. And at, in this day and age, 2023, I don't know what to expect out of him, uh, especially with him not playing last year and the last time we saw him on a field. He had a very serious injury. It's tough to say with him, uh, but I do. Uh, the connection with Mark Andrews is obviously great. They're going to hopefully have a healthy J.K. Dobbins for next year. Uh, as well as uh, receivers back in injury in Rashad Bateman's back this year, fully healthy. Devin Duvernay, I know, is dealing with a lot of injury problems. He should be healthy this year. And they did pick up Zay Flowers. 
Uh, I like that they're building more, but I still think they lack that uh, wide receiver one type of player, which they don't necessarily need in this offense. But if they can pair someone like that with Lamar Jackson, I feel like that would be an incredible duo. And this offense could be a lot scarier. I still think they need one more X factor to really uh, put them over the edge as an elite, elite offense. I still think this puts too much on Lamar. However, I in general, this is still a step in the right reac- direction and a much better often, uh, much better offseason in surrounding Lamar uh, with talent than recent years. Yeah, um, there's always going to be a little bit of difficulty with finding the ideal pieces with Lamar because of his limitations throwing the ball uh, short. Um, and a number of receivers have that um, as their best strength. So it's kind of like a, a mismatch of um, of the type of talent that you want to put, put around Lamar. Um, and in general, like all of these offenses are chasing like the ideal receiver that Lamar fits with, the like the spacer that can kind of go deep and, and, and win um, – deep down the field consistently that's that's something that every offense wants so it's, it's going to make it even more difficult to find that guy who fits ideally with Lamar but um, I think the Ravens are, are doing their best job with um, Zay Flowers and Odell and Bateman to an extent being part of that archetype so um, props to them for um, building this this kind of receiver room around Lamar and um, how well Mark Andrews has, has played is, is definitely a factor in um, them wanting to or them being able to kind of miss out on the top end receiver talent. Um, so let's move on to the other big time move that happened uh, around the time of the draft, and that's the Aaron Rodgers trade. So I'll let Potty get started on this one. Uh, what do you think about yeah. uh, Rodgers moving well, to the Jets? The last time we were talking about uh, Rodgers and kind of the whole saga with the Jets, we were still at the point where it was still a will they, won't they kind of situation with will the trade happen? I mean, at that point, we kind of we kind of figured it was going to happen, but it didn't happen officially. And luckily, they finally made it happen. Initial speculations, I've seen a lot of people talk uh, about this trade on both sides of the spectrum, especially with that Russell Wilson trade happening recently, which is a similar sort of situation, uh, somewhat past their prime quarterback coming into a very talent-heavy team trying to take them to the next level and because that didn't work I'm seeing a lot of a lot of talk about uh this being a Broncos 2.0 kind of situation and the Jets won't do a whole lot and then you're obviously going to have the people hyping this up calling the Jets a Super Bowl uh contender already uh and I'm mostly just excited for this because I do think this is a very good fit for Rodgers not only did they make it very comfortable with him bringing in a lot of people from Green Bay uh, to uh, to to the Jets in preparation for this, with uh, Hackett being their OC, Rodgers had a lot of success with him last time they were paired together, even with the Broncos stint not being the best for Hackett. Uh, they bought in, brought in Lazard, they brought in Cobb, guys uh, Rodgers is very familiar with. I think that receiver core as a whole fits him kind of well. You have your bona fide uh, star type of receiver in Garrett Wilson, some who Rodgers can rely on. And we've seen with guys like Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, Rodgers does like to lean on one guy who who he can go to when he really needs it. And I think Garrett Wilson can be that type of guy. Uh, they bought in a guy like Mikko Hardman who can kind of take the top off the defense. And Rodgers 
granted, he may not have the arm he's always had, but he's always been a deep pass, big play kind of player. And that's a guy uh, that can definitely do that for this offense. And paired with players he's already familiar with, a returning Brees Hall, who we saw was insane as a rookie running the ball. And this Jets offensive line was pretty good last year, and it's only going to get better this year with the returning healthy Mekhi Becton. I I think this is going to be a very interesting offense if we can get a good Rodgers, something in between what we saw last year and obviously his MVP seasons prior to that. Yeah, so I have like a slightly different view of the way that the offense is gonna is gonna run. I, I do agree with you on um kind of the outcome projection part of, of the Rodgers thing, which is like um, there's gonna be people who are comparing it to other failed QB trades, of course. Um, but uh, I feel like the the way that the Jets want to run offense is kind of similar to way the way that Green Bay um, was running offense with kind of like a lot of stuff going horizontal and then the occasional like occasional stuff pushing the ball down the field where um you describe McCole Hardman as deep there I kind of I kind of think he's more of like a horizontal guy on like jet sweeps and like crossing type stuff um short area where he can use his speed to go after the catch um and then occasionally take the deep shot because I don't uh feel too strongly about his deep ball tracking uh, that's kind of the the big distinction there um and then Lazard obviously is like um just a guy who wins contested catches and stuff with his physicality um and Garrett Wilson is is the big X factor here, um, where where I think he can kind of do anything, and he will definitely like command a huge chunk of the offense. So um, they are doing what they can to make Rodgers as comfortable as possible, in my opinion. And you can see that even with like the coaching hires with with Hackett coming uh, back to work with Rodgers. Um, and so uh, I I do think this will be like more of a play action and um, like a zone type scheme um, with horizontal stuff. Um, and then Rodgers occasionally taking a deep shot um, to someone like a Hardman or, or uh, a Garrett Wilson. So, um, yeah, excited to see what this looks like. But, um, yeah, just wanted to point out a few things there. Yeah, a little note on that. I, I Honestly, I know you started with saying, like, we may have a little opposing views. But I honestly do think this is going to be very familiar type of offense that we're seeing from Rodgers. Something that... Uh, we may have seen uh, on the Packers, but I think it'll be a little more run heavy. I do think they brought in guys like Hackett and like I said, all his familiar weapons, because I think they're trying to kind of build around Rodgers and make him comfortable uh, on the offense rather than them trying to fit him into what they're doing. And I think we just know with Rodgers personality and kind of play style, that's kind of how you do have to deal with him in general. So I also do think Rodgers, uh, We'll see a very familiar sort of side with Rodgers. Uh, I do think, though, this is the first time, at least uh, in my opinion, Rodgers has a running back like Brees Hall, who I do think has the capability of being an every down back and someone who can be a very, very uh, explosive part of this offense. He obviously had guys like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in Green Bay uh, who were a very, very good duo. But he never had one one guy who was just dominant in the running game, kind of the way we saw Brees Hall. Granted, it was a very short period of time, but I did like the way the Jets were running the ball last year, and I think they'll go a lot more to that. And as far uh, as far as passing the ball, I agree. Where 
we will see some occasional deep shots to a guy like Lazard. Corey Davis is another name in that mix who is kind of just a deep the threat, go up and get it type of guy. Uh, but I do think, he, like you said, Garrett Wilson's going to end up being that X factor because, as I was saying earlier, Rodgers does like to have one guy he likes to go to. And I see a somewhat similar skill set in the way Garrett Wilson was playing last year and Devontae Adams uh, uh, in general when he was in Green Bay. Even though they're not the exact same type of player, I do see flashes in both of them, especially with how good of route runners they both are. And I do think Rodgers and Wilson could have that type of connection. All right, let's move on to um, our breakdowns of the way that these drafted quarterbacks uh, fit with their new teams. So let's start at the top with Bryce Young um, and the Carolina Panthers. So uh, just to give a quick recap of uh, the receiving talent and kind of the strength of each of those groups. So um, the Carolina Panthers added Adam Thielen, uh, Jonathan Mingo, DJ Chark, um, and and also Miles Sanders um, is something that I will bring up in, in a bit. So um, with with this kind of with this offense um, last year they were kind of run heavy um, going frequently with under center type of looks um, and I think that uh, Young isn't really a great fit with that under center type of offense he didn't really do it at Alabama and I think you could see um, a change happening where uh, Miles Sanders is brought in and in Philly they ran an extremely heavy uh, shotgun based offense with Jalen Hurts. Um, with a bunch of RPOs and, and stuff like that. And I think Bryce Young's strength with those RPOs and and, and um, those types of actions is is going to be uh, pretty much maximized with this group. Um, them also bringing in Adam Thielen, who at this point is uh, mostly a short area winner, um, and kind of the development of DJ Chark and Terrace Marshall as kind of counters to Adam Thielen. Um, I think that's, that's kind of a signal of how they want to run their offense. Um, and of course, um, when we were talking about when, with Bryce Young, just to give a recap of how he plays specifically, um, he's an extremely flexible and, and kind of quick twitch type of athlete um, who can get himself out of trouble, um, is extremely sharp processing before the snap, um, is very accurate, but struggles a little bit with uh, having consistent footwork as a result of the way he sets up his drop as a result of his height. Um, and can kind of have uh, strength issues, obviously, because he's very short and skinny. So um, the kind of uh, RPO-type system is what I anticipate them running. Um, yeah, what, what do you think about the way Bryce Young fits with the Panthers? Yeah, I also found it interesting that uh, Bryce Young, obviously coming from a very non-under-center shotgun, even pistol-type of offense, uh, coming to a team that was running a lot of uh, – under the center, running, run the ball type of offense last year. It's interesting, but I agree with you that I think they're going to completely overhaul the way they uh, play offense here. I mean, there's no reason not to cater to your number one overall pick. And I do think a lot of the reason they were running the offense they did last year was because they wanted to keep it simple. They didn't really have a quarterback that they knew they were going to go to on a week-to-week basis. So this was a, just a run-heavy team. So that's I think that's why they were kind of forced into having a very boring, basic offense. And when you have a weapon like Bryce Young, you can uh, obviously open it up a lot more. Uh, one thing that bothers me a little bit is that 
I wish they didn't have to give up DJ Moore in order to be in position for Bryce Young. Uh, it, I know, like, there really was no other way to get around to it, but I do think that was going to – that would have been a perfect fit uh, between those two guys. I think DJ Moore would have been a great receiver for him to have, uh, especially this early in his career. But looking to what they do have, I like that you brought up Miles Sanders because – he obviously throughout his career has been more of like a horizontal east-west type of offenses running back. You're going to see a lot of like uh, like draws and zone type of runs with a guy like Miles Sanders. And someone like Chuba Hubbard, you don't necessarily have that. So I do think the signing of Miles Sanders is kind of – pointing to them running that sort of offense with Bryce Young and looking at the receivers I do I do think Adam Thielen's kind of washed at this point a little bit past his prime but I do like the fact that Adam Thielen someone who's a great possession type of receiver someone who will likely have a high catch radius even next year uh to pair with someone like Young it kind of gives them a safety valve even though Young's a very very uh accurate passer you're well, you're always gonna want a safety valve type of player, and Adam Thielen has been that for years on the Vikings. Uh, I think that's a great fit here. I think guys like Chark and Terrace Marshall, who are quick and can get open on routes, even LaVisca Chenault, someone very, uh, very, uh, someone with a very, very diverse skill set, can run, line up in the backfield can line up in the slot, can line up outside, really anywhere. All these like versatile type of players that can get out there and get a lot of yak yardage will fit well with Young, who you kind of want him to just be able to dissect the offense, get rid of the ball fast, uh, and deliver it accurately and let his receivers do the work in in the open field. You're not going to want Young to stay in there, take hits, uh, have to do have to do a whole lot of that. And one thing we didn't even touch on earlier, but I I do think this offensive line, granted the Panthers' offensive line has not been good for years, but I do think the current talent they have, it's it's a good group. And I do think uh, I'm glad that they are building a little bit around Bryce Young so that obviously him being someone with a frail body, you don't want someone you spent so much into getting hurt early on. So... I'm glad they built that as well. Yeah, um, agree with most of what you said there. Uh, made a lot of sense to me. So let's move on to CJ Stroud. And uh, again, giving like a quick recap of um, his play style. Um, he's kind of a versatile in terms of uh, schematic um, ability to be deployed in, in different situations. He can line up under center and gun. Um, he can push the ball deep down the field with great accuracy, uh, can push it to the intermediate and, and short levels as well, um, with great accuracy there as well. Um, and he has good movement skills in the pocket, uh, but you do want to limit the plays that he is under pressure, um, because he doesn't always have the greatest feel for those, uh, those moments. And, um, yeah, he can get a little bit reckless with the football when he's, um, trying to make like a heroic play. Um, but I do think the schematic fit here is pretty good. Um, the Texans are kind of also a run heavy under center type of offense around Damian Pierce's uh, ability to be a downhill type guy. And I think that's a really good fit with Stroud um, who can work from under center um, as a play action type guy and push it deep down the field. Now, the thing that I do want to um, caveat it with is that I don't think that the Texans have 
um, an A-list deep threat. Um, their best guys for this are really like Nico Collins and uh, John Mechie, who's basically in his rookie year. And and after that, you might be actually counting on like actual rookies like Tank Dell and, and Xavier Hutchinson. So not really the greatest situation there uh, from like a deep threat standpoint, but um, I do believe that schematically um, it's a good fit. And uh, to think about long-term roster projections, like next year, if they can add a true deep threat uh, at receiver, that, that would really open up their offense. And I think uh, Stroud could kind of take off next year. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said there. Primarily that point with Damian Pierce. We saw last year in Pierce's rookie year uh, with the not really a good blocking Texans O-line, him look like one of, uh, I'd say probably uh, the best rookie running back last year, potentially. And just, he was really fierce, really feisty type of running back going downhill I think that's going to pair very well with C.J. Stroud, who we talked about in our like uh, career uh, college recap vi- uh, video of him, that he works great with uh, off-the-play action. That's honestly one of his specialties. And having someone like Damian Pierce, who's always a threat to just get you five, six yards up the middle, it's going to force teams to stack the box, and that's going to allow C.J. Stroud to just pull it out and just play his game, really. But one thing that concerns me about uh this t- or two real things that concern me about this fit with Stroud, uh and I talked about the O line with the Panthers. I think that's going to be trouble here for Stroud. And I know they have an elite left tackle uh in Larry Tunsil, and they've brought in some talent in through the draft and free agency with guys like Shaq Mason, Juice Scruggs, etc. Uh, but I still don't think this is enough talent to consistently protect Stroud. And one thing we saw a lot of in college with Stroud is his ability to play under pressure. Although it got better towards the end, especially in that uh, last game of his college career, it's definitely questionable. It's not in an area where he succeeds. I know ideally you want him to develop into a guy that can uh deal with all that pressure but I think early in his career it would have been better to have a more secure line something like what Bryce Young has in Carolina so it con- that concerns me a little bit with his development and the second problem I have is their receiver core in general as PD mentioned he thinks Stroud will f- could flourish with a deep threat kind of guy an elite number one uh, receiver in that regard and we saw in 2021 with Ohio State when he had NFL level talent receivers he was he was really good at uh delivering the ball downfield and creating a lot of highlight plays and I think this year with him having his best receivers be guys like Robert Woods like PD said a rookie John Mechie essentially even guys worse like Nico Collins Noah Brown uh, etc uh, I just don't think that's enough receiver talent to put around your young quarterback guy that in college, at least did need a good amount of talent around him to get things going. I know that's tough to say for someone you spend your number two overall pick with, but when you do draft him, you kind of do need a way like what he's good at and what he's not good at. So those two uh, area things do bring a little bit of concern for me. Uh, I'll touch on one positive, though. One last thing. I do love the pickup of Dalton Schultz. They always say young quarterbacks 
love a good tight end. And I think that's exactly what the Texans thought of with this move. Uh, and I think that combo is going to be very good this season, especially off the play action. Yeah, Schultz is like kind of a guy who takes those short play action flat type routes and, and turns them into uh, longer games with his after the catch ability. So um, I like that kind of I like that fit with the play action scheme that they seem to want to run with Pierce um, and Stroud. All right, let's move on to the next quarterback drafted, which is Anthony Richardson. And um, I am a huge fan of the schematic fit here. Um, with with Shane Steichen coming over from Philly, where he just had Jalen Hurts, um, it seems pretty clear to me that they're going to run a ton of quarterback run game with with the read options, um, just like they did um, at Florida for Anthony Richardson. And I'm excited to see the dynamic between Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor, because I do think there is significant enhancing effects uh, of the quarterback who can run on the team's running game, um, even more so than the the ability of the running back itself. Um, and so uh, that kind of lends itself to also running a play-action scheme like we talked about with Stroud. Um, but this one is probably going to have more pistol-type actions um, than I see from the Texans uh, because of – that being what Anthony Richardson ran a lot of uh, at Florida. And I do like the the fit that he would have with Alec Pierce, who is a deep burner with size. Um, and also with Michael Pittman Jr. Um, after thinking about this one a little bit, uh, I do kind of like the fit here because uh, Anthony Richardson does tend to have some, some bad sprays with the, uh, his accuracy. And having a big catch radius with a guy like Michael Pittman can kind of mitigate um, some of those plays. Um, in general, though, um, long-term, one more receiver who can separate down the field um, with size is something that I, I would be looking for. Even if it compromises the short area accuracy, it's fine because uh, of because Richardson is kind of less than in, in that area anyway. Um, in terms of the offensive line, um, they're, they had a pretty poor outcome from what I could tell uh, last year. Um, and I think it should be better this year. Um, with Ride Kelly and Quentin Nelson being a little healthier, with Bernard Ryman uh, having some growth from his rookie year, and Braden Smith still being a solid player. Um, those are definitely outcomes that I can see um, for this Colts offensive line. And um, I think they're kind of just a receiver away from from really putting uh, great talent around Richardson. But for this year, it should be reasonable to evaluate um, how good he is as a player. Yeah, when we were doing our Anthony Richardson episode, my kind of overall take on him was his talent is undeniable. I don't necessarily think I saw what I liked on his college film, but I do think he has the tools to be elite in the right situation. And like PD said, I do think this is an absolutely amazing situation for him, and this could uh, turn out really good for his career development. I mean, first to get started, like PD mentioned, Shane Steichen, just, we just saw him help in the development of a guy like Jalen Hurts, who was also very, very much raw coming out of college, but needed a little bit of polish and development. And they created a system around him to where he could completely succeed. And it was built upon a lot of Hurts's, uh, Hurts, a lot of what Hurts was good at and really minimized all the things that 
he wasn't too good at. And I think Richardson's a very similar type of player. I think just just to get starters, just purely based off the coach, I love the fact that they got a young coach, open-minded, can run a system that Anthony Richardson will succeed in. Uh, And to move on from that, I think the QB room itself is also a very, very good situation for him. I think everyone knew Anthony Richardson was not going to be the type of player that you'll come out year one and start him from day one. He was definitely, everyone anticipated, was someone that's going to sit for a little bit before he actually plays meaningful football. And I think that QB room being led by a guy like Gardner Minshew, who we know at this point in time doesn't really have uh, what most NFL things uh, teams uh, think doesn't have what it takes to be a franchise-level guy. He's coming from being a backup, and he's a clear bridge QB. So when you do bring in Anthony Richardson, there's not really going to be much controversy. People aren't going to be calling to start Minshew or even Ellinger over Anthony Richardson because they know the clear-cut plan here. Minshew's the bridge guy, and Anthony Richardson is our guy moving forward. And I was a little worried someone like him, I mean, I saw it firsthand with Trey Lance. When you put a quarterback like that, that's a bit of a project in a situation where there's already an established quarterback. Things could get ugly. It could hurt the confidence of that young quarterback who clearly isn't good and as good as the other quarterback at the time. And I think in that, it's a perfect situation for him as well. And looking at the talent around him, I mean, PD mentioned with Jonathan Taylor, I think that's a match made in heaven. Two absolute, like, human specimens standing next to each other in the backfield is going to be an absolute terror to guard for defenses. I mean, you can do so much with that. The Something like the read option, RPOs, those are going to go great. And that was something Shane Steichen did a lot in uh, Philadelphia as well. And something even as simple as the play action is going to make things really easy for Anthony Richardson coming in early, just getting easy yards. And uh, I do wish they had a little bit more of the Colts offensive line from years prior, because at this point, like PD mentioned, with injuries and stuff, they have gotten a little bit washed. They aren't projected necessarily to be even a top half offensive line next year. Uh, but with the guys being more healthy this year, I could see that being a solid offensive line. And around a guy like Anthony Richardson, you don't necessarily need the best protection in the world. So I do think even in that sense, it's a good fit. I do wish they had one elite separator uh, as a receiver on that Colts team, because I do think that's something Anthony Richardson needs. A go-to guy that early in his career is going to be someone that's always open and that could maybe be Michael Pittman but I do feel like he's more of a go up and get it high catch radius kind of guy than someone who Anthony Richardson can rely on to dump off to kind of like what we said with Dalton Schultz would be for CJ Stroud uh so I do wish they have something like that but overall I like the way they're building and I think this could be a match made in heaven yeah, um, agreed with what you said there pretty much uh, word for word. Um, so let's move on to the next quarterback drafted, which is Will Levis. And um, right now Will Levis is listed at third on the depth chart, which I don't think will last for long. But um, just kind of looking at how he fits schematically. So um, in his best season at Kentucky in 2021, Levis was a play-action heavy quarterback um, who used his explosive arm and 
uh, aggressive mindset to push the ball down the field um, in intermediate and deep passing situations. Um, he has extremely good velocity um, and can deliver the ball reasonably accurately to the deeper areas of the field. Um, but uh, like we mentioned with Richardson, he has some shortcomings when passing the ball shorter. Um, and he's an ex- he's like way too aggressive as a decision maker. Um, and in, in those instances, his accuracy can let him down as well. Um, I, I do like his fit here um, in Tennessee, though, because for years and years they've been um, reliant on the run game, um, working from under center a lot, Ryan Tannehill, that is. Um, and they kind of use their run game to set up their play action. Um, the one thing I will say about the way that the Titans are constructed right now, um, Will Levis probably shouldn't play right away. Um, there's a complete lack of talent um, at receiver beyond Trail and Burks. Um, it's, it's just really, like, really rough. Uh, Chigo Conquo looks like uh, a decent tight end um, who can be a long-term guy who could take short passes for uh, yards after catch opportunities based on his rookie season. But beyond that, like, the, the, the supporting cast of the Titans, both as in the receiving department and the offensive line, it, it just looks very rough. And I would want um, some more development from those players um, where they're kind of looking at kind of um, where they are at the end of the year. That's kind of what I want to see Will Levis in, uh, in that type of situation, rather than right now where um, they're still not very developed. They're um, not really the best versions of themselves. And I, I would... Uh, rather put Levis on the bench than have him develop bad habits uh, with this type of type of team. Um, and then long term, um, I do like Traylon Burks and Chico Conquo in that play action type of offense, but um, they really do need like a guy who could separate down the field. Um, it's just totally lacking there right now. Um, and then continued development of the interior offensive line and and uh, some more depth along the line as well. So. Um, a lot of work needs to be done for this offense, but um, if they insert Levis towards the end of the year, I think that could be um, more reasonable than than playing him right now. Yeah, to me, this pick was a real head-scratcher in general, and not even really on the Levis side. Just on from the Titans' perspective, uh, you have a guy like in Ryan Tannehill, who I think at this point in time they are – they have kind of indicated that they want to move on from him in the near future. So last year they went out and got a project quarterback in Malik Willis. And yeah, obviously in the few starts he had last year, he didn't look too good. He didn't even look like an NFL quarterback. But honestly, that's kind of what you expected out of him year one, just knowing what we what he was as a player. Uh, it was supposed to be a project. And then they've come back around and early in the second round, invested a lot in another project quarterback in Will Levis and now both of them are going to be sitting behind uh Orion Tannehill so that in itself just kind of confuses me in what direction the Titans are headed in terms of quarterback and what they're trying to even do with the talent they're picking up because I'll be honest this Titans offense is looking very very rough to me I know PD did like to give them a little bit of credit with obviously Derrick Henry and they do have some talent, Traylon Burks and Oconquo. But to be quite frank, this offensive line might be the worst one in the league. I'm looking at uh, a lot of these other rosters in our offseason research. I really don't see 
teams that are going to end up having worse protection, especially pass blocking wise, uh, than this Titans team. Like he said, that receiver core is trailing. Hopefully, Traylon Burks develops to be something. But if it's not him, it's quite literally uh, just a bunch of random receivers they've put together for that receiver room. And they do have an elite talent in Derrick Henry, obviously. But at this point, at this age, and with how many injuries he's dealt with in the past few years, you don't necessarily even know if you can rely on him for a full season. So ultimately, this this is not a good situation for anybody, including Levis, who is a, a project quarterback, is going to deal with accuracy issues, probably, is going to deal with a lot of just running in NFL offense issues because he didn't necessarily do that in Kentucky. And I think this is a pretty bad spot for him to be put in. Uh, so, but I don't necessarily think they're going to do it. I agree with PD in the sense that I think Tannehill is going to be playing a lot of this season and Levis is going to get kind of those last few garbage games that they have at the end of the year, uh, just to get him going, get some experience before the year ends. Uh, but I, I'm very confused by the pick because they're in no position to, allow Will Levis to develop and take over this offense because they'd have no talent on this offense to provide him. Uh, by the time Levis is probably going to be in his prime, Derrick Henry will be past it. And that's the only uh, high-level talent I really like on this team. So overall, just a head-scratcher for me here. Yeah, they do, they definitely do have work to do on that roster, but... um. Yeah, honestly, if Levis was inserted before uh, around like week 12, 13, and he performed well, then I would probably be floored. Like, honestly, like that would be pretty incredible outcome for him. Um, yeah. But we'll see uh, how, how this roster develops, and uh, hopefully they can put a kind of better situation around him um, than he had last year at Kentucky. All right, yeah. so that'll wrap up the guys who went in the first round or close to it. Um so let's move on to the next quarterback that we wanted to talk about, and that is Hendon Hooker going to the Detroit Lions. So I'll let Potty get started on this one. Yeah, so the first thing I think everyone's going to talk about with Hendon Hooker, or I guess the first two things, uh, but the one thing I want to touch on is his injury. And I know before him having his injury in college, he was supposed to go even higher up on the boards. Not too much higher because he was obviously – uh, pretty high up in age, as people have made fun of plenty with him and Stetson Bennett for whatever reason this year. Uh, but that injury, I think, does did uh, set him back quite a bit in this draft. And it's going to be interesting to see because based off the time of the year he had that, I'd expect him to not really be around for too much of offseason, maybe even some of the first few games of the regular season he won't even be completely healthy. So honestly, the number one uh, goal of this year really should be allowing Hendon Hooker to get back to 100% that first half of the year. And depending on where this Lions team is, seeing where you can fit, it, fit him in second half of the year. Uh, but I honestly think this Hendon Hooker pick may either be a uh, transitional pick between uh, Jared Goff and their franchise guy. Uh, I don't necessarily see Hendon Hooker as a franchise quarterback, and I don't think the Lions did either 
he is obviously higher up in age, and I do think he can come in and be a more serviceable guy than some of these other guys we're talking about earlier in his career. I think that's why he was drafted to be a, a backup. To me, this pick was kind of doubling down on Jared Goff, but uh, giving him a capable backup to remind him that like he can be uh, replaced if it gets to it. And as far as this a fit around Hendon Hooker, I think if he does get to this Lions first team, it will be a very, very good fit for him. We saw in college when he was at his best, uh, he was dropping a lot of deep bombs and kind of torching defenses in that Tennessee offense. Uh, I forget who the receiver was he was playing with. I believe Jalen Hyatt it was who him and Hooker were just lighting up offenses all college football season and I feel like he has people like that on this uh Lions offense I mean Jamison Williams is obviously suspended now but I think by the time Hooker is if he does uh, get consistent playing time he will be unsuspended by the time Hooker is really playing and I think that is exactly what Jamison Williams does is exactly what Jalen Hyatt did for Hooker at Tennessee, and I think that connection could be great. Amon Ross St. Brown is obviously elite receiver. I think he's the type of guy that can work with anybody, and him being a big target that Hooker can look at, that's also great for them. Uh, This Lions offensive line is one of the better young offensive lines in the league, and I think with guys like Penny Sewell developing even more, I think this is going to become an even more elite offensive line. So as far as protection, he's in a good spot as well. They did pick up Jameer Gibbs in that uh, first round. And with that pick being a head scratcher, it does make that backfield very, very good now. Gives them an even better one-two punch than they had last year, I'd say, with Swift and Williams. And that looked like one of the better one-two punches in, in the league. I think with Montgomery and Gibbs, I think this is even more talented uh, even more talented backfield. Overall, this is a very, very good Lions offense. I think a lot of quarterbacks would love to be in this situation. Uh, but I do think this is Jared Goff's job as of right now, but we will see what Hooker can do given this opportunity. Yeah, Hooker wasn't really a guy I was too fond of with the age, the injury, and the biggest concern for me for the way he actually plays was the the way he kind of reacted to pressure. Um, he was rarely he was rarely even able to get a pass off uh, when he was under pressure. It was either him taking a sack or scrambling, and th- that sack rate was really high. Um, we have seen Jared Goff's uh, numbers under pressure be be pretty poor, so I do think that the Lions' roster construction um, to kind of mitigate those circumstances fits Hooker as well. Um, it's kind of hard to completely be certain about what Hooker's fit is um, in an NFL offense because of how Tennessee's offense um, is is run with with the deep choice routes and and kind of the rest of the stuff that they do there, which like is is mostly a function of the deep boundaries or, or the wider boundaries in college and, and all that little stuff that I don't really want to get into. But um, that stuff doesn't really work in the NFL with uh, the way that the field are, the field are proportioned. Um, but I do think that some of the skills that he showed um, with strong arm talent, um, strong aggression, um, putting the ball in catchable spots deep down the field, that does translate well to a play-action heavy offense like Detroit. So I understand their their line of thinking, but um, with the injury, the age, um, and his, his kind of lack of feel 
behind the line of scrimmage. Um, I do have some questions about him as a player. Um, but if he does end up playing uh, sometime soon, it would be a, a good fit with the offense. So uh, I'm a fan of it with, with that kind of – from that standpoint. Yeah, and one thing I want to touch on real quick just because I find it a little bit – interesting is hooker with his injury and stuff i think by the time he's coming back he's gonna be almost 26 and if you look at jared goff he's currently only 28 so i do think even the lions when they made this pick they had in mind that hooker is not going to be the next guy because honestly he's damn near the same type of in, in the same point of his career as goff they're not too far off in age uh as I was saying earlier, this is a clear backup pick for me, and I think he will be a really, really good backup for this Lions team as well. If Jared Goff was to go down, I think Hendon Hooker could fit uh, step right in and put in almost just as good of a shift based on how much talent this Lions offense has. Uh, but I don't have too much hope for him taking over. All right, let's move on to the next quarterback drafted, which is Jake Hayner um, being drafted by the New Orleans States or New, the New Orleans Saints uh, out of Fresno <laughs> State. Um, so let's kind of talk about uh, Jake Hayner's play style and, and um, how he would fit in, into this offense. So Hayner is a guy who I kind of ended up liking the more I watched of him. Um, he's pretty small, um, six foot two oh seven measured, but. Um, kind of like I talked about with Bryce Young, albeit as, at a much lower level, um, he has pretty strong feel for uh, what's going on around him. He can move. Um, he could push the ball down the field when he's kind of being aggressive. Um, and he's reasonably accurate with the football. And he has decent command of the offense as well. Um, so I, I think that um, he will be an excellent backup uh, because of – uh, the way that I described him, the, the field, the accuracy, um, kind of like what you see with someone like maybe Teddy Bridgewater. Um, those those areas, uh, Bridgewater checks the box with understanding how to run an NFL offense and um, being accurate with delivering the football. Um, I think Hayner can kind of play that type of role where um, he's kind of a plug-and-play backup. Um, but I do see uh, kind of some limitations with his ceiling because of the lack of physical ability. And his mental processing is probably not at the level where you can rely on it as um, one of the makeups of like an elite quarterback. So um, I do like this pick for, for the Saints, uh, but I do think there's, there's a little bit of a ceiling here. Yeah, to me, this Jake, uh, Jake Hayner just feels like a classic backup quarterback type of guy. Like his build, mold, everything fits it. I mean, he's at a mid-major college school. He played for multiple seasons, had a pretty solidly long career at uh, Fresno State, as well as having a little stint in Washington before. So he's played a lot of games. He's had a lot of reps at quarterback. And ultimately, his downfall was his lack of athletic ability. I mean, nothing really jumps off the jumps off the uh, map for him. He's kind of just all right in all sort of statistical category, traditional on paper uh, statistical uh, athletic categories. So overall, he doesn't necessarily look like the best pick to have. But because of all his experience, all the reps he's taking at quarterback, I do think he's someone that's going to be able to step in anywhere and be able to run an offense. I mean, we saw it with someone like Brock Purdy, and I hate to use another 
49ers quarterback as an analogy, but he was also someone that played a long time at Ohio State, and because of all the reps he had, he was kind of able to step in seamlessly, and we see that with a lot of other uh, quarterbacks who did play a lot of time, and even if it wasn't at an elite college football school, uh, even if it wasn't high-level play, since they had so many reps, they're able to just kind of lock in and do what they need to do. And I think Jay Kaner, for that reason, is going to step in uh, and be able to play that backup quarterback role. He, in at least in Fresno State, had a pretty successful career, pretty good uh, – uh, uh, a, a lot of successful football there for him. I think if someone like Carr was to go down, he he would be able to fit into this offense seamlessly. But I don't think the Saints necessarily looked to match him with the talent around him. Uh, I don't necessarily think he particular particularly fits or doesn't fit with the offense, because ultimately it doesn't matter. Uh, as far as this year goes, I don't even know if he'll break uh, Jameis Winston and overtake him in the quarterback depth chart. Uh, but I could see him being a long-term backup type of player. And uh, that's a solid career as well. All right, let's move on to the next guy, which is Stetson Bennett being selected by the Rams. And uh, this one was a little bit of a head-scratcher for me. Um, Bennett is is reasonably mobile. Um, of course, he, he kind of has to be mobile with his size. 5'11", 192 um, is a listed measurement. And um, – he doesn't have a strong arm. He's not particularly accurate on any throw that's reasonably difficult. Um, his feel is all right, but um, I think that the situation around him at Georgia was kind of making it a little bit difficult for me to deduce how great his feel was um, in the limited games that I watched. So um, I don't think that Stetson Bennett is a long-term answer. Um, as a starter, for sure, no. Um, as a backup, I see maybe he could get there, but uh, I, I have a hard time believing that uh, Stetson Bennett is like a long-term answer for anyone um, at either of the first two positions um, on the depth chart. So um, in terms of scheme fit, like just go wherever there's talent, I guess his, his kind of his go-to move was to uh, push the ball down the field to great receiving talent and uh, hope something would happen. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not really a, a huge fan of, of Bennett as a player. Yeah, this pick was a head-scratcher for me as well from the Rams' perspective, kind of like I was talking about with the Titans. Uh, I mentioned with Hendon Hooker and Stetson Bennett, with them both being like kind of high up there in age for a guy coming into the draft. They're getting memed on a lot, and that's why this Rams pick is a bit of a head-scratcher. I mean, at this point with Stafford, you kind of know that he's looking washed. You, you're going to want to move on from him in the next few years and maybe you would elect to get like a project type of quarterback who could maybe develop under Stafford and become the guy in a few years uh but we know Stetson Bennett won't be that guy I mean he is almost I think he's 25 right now almost 26 not particularly uh doesn't particularly have the athletic talent or the tools to just blow up out of nowhere he just kind of is what he is at this point. So I don't see why the Rams would want to get a guy like that rather than someone with a little bit of potential, maybe even someone that could challenge Stafford for that job if he is slacking a little bit. Uh, so that pick does confuse me for that reason. 
Uh, but one thing that intrigues me about Stetson Bennett, and I kind of just talked about it with uh, the last team, is quarterbacks with a lot of experience in college do tend to stick around in the league. And Stetson Bennett kind of reminds me of A.J. McCarron. He was also like in the early 2010s. I believe he also won two national titles at Bama on a very, very, very stacked team. And people in college are overhyping him a little bit because he had obviously so much traditional winning success and all. But he was kind of just on a really good team. But because of that, McCarron did have a lot of reps, had a lot of experience in big moments as a player at Bama. And that translated to a solidly long NFL career where he had a lot of backup stints, uh, did end up developing into a player that contributed to NFL teams as a good backup. And he, uh, he was someone that any team could just kind of throw in there if their starter went down. And I do think Stetson Bennett could make that type of career out of himself. He also has two national titles, a lot of experience in big moments, a lot of just time playing the position. And as a result, I do think he can like stick around, bounce from team to team, be back up here, back up there. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. Um, but I, I, I still want to see more from his game before I can say that. I do understand the uh, the experience part of it, though, and maybe it'll help him uh, get be quicker about learning um, a playbook somewhere and kind of bouncing from situation to situation. He might be better uh, in that role than than the average guy. Um, all right, let's move on to the Raiders selecting Aiden O'Connell. Um, Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell was honestly a funny player to watch because. His explosive plays and the ways that he's pushing the ball down the field are like awesome. They're like he goes to goes from one to two to three and pushes the ball into a tight window. Layers throw beautifully and 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 it all it all looks very pretty. Um, but the way that he misses uh, passes that are that are available to him and his decision making on, on some of um, his his turnover plays, um, it's it's just it's just shocking to see uh, a player go from being so good uh, on one play and, and so horrible on another play um, kind of reminds me a little bit of, of the way Drew Locke plays in the NFL right now. Um, uh, so that kind of lends itself to, to being a backup, I guess, um, in terms of what he would fit with, probably guys who can uh, win deep down the field uh, because his accuracy is pretty compromised. But um, yeah, his decision-making probably never gets fixed with with his age and uh, for how long he's been playing playing the sport so um yeah there definitely is a ceiling here in my opinion and um yeah he he, he probably sticks around as a, as a backup who has some high high uh, variance type of games yeah Aiden O'Connell was also kind of a funny player to me because uh, I remember Purdue over the last couple of years have been a very like up and down football program. I remember like whether it was last year or the year prior, they had a week where they beat like Michigan State, who was one of the best teams in the country. And then they followed that with like a dud against a much worse team. And they were kind of one of those football teams that could beat anyone on any given day, any given Saturday, but could also lose to anybody. And a lot of that was because Aiden O'Connell was super duper inconsistent. I mean, his decision decision making was has always just been highly questionable, and I it, it surprised me honestly to see him 
uh, come this high in the draft. A lot of the other quarterbacks that we were talking about that went in this rough range had a lot more success and promising careers. And I guess you we see that with a lot of the other players at the top of the draft as well. Aiden O'Connell has the physical gifts that some of these quarterbacks don't. I mean, he's a big body, pretty big arm, relatively athletic, especially for his size. He is a prototypical quarterback. He just doesn't necessarily have the feel for the game and the wherewithal to play quarterback mentally. And I think ultimately it's just too late to break that in him. Uh, I do think he can be like a third string type of guy like he is now, maybe even challenge for some backup spots. Uh, but I really don't see him being like a long-term player in the league. All right, let's move on to the next quarterback drafted, which is Clayton Toon. So uh, Toon was an interesting guy uh, to watch. I think that um, he does have a future in the league because of his ability to execute these quick type of passing concepts. Um, and he's he's a good short and kind of intermediate range thrower. Um, he doesn't really have the arm talent uh, to push the ball down the field consistently or maybe um, manufacture tight window type of throws. But I do like his ability to kind of step into uh, a backup situation and, and run some sort of simplified offense for a shorter period of time uh, if, the, if a starter is injured or something like that. Um, and there's no real, like, scheme fit um, for, for Clayton Toon other than um, running like an RPO type of offense with uh, shorter passes um, and just kind of like more quick game type of stuff. Um, but um, yeah, I, I kind of I kind of see a chance that he could stick around in the league a little bit more um, rather than someone like, I don't know, like we talked about with Stetson Bennett or Aiden O'Connell. Yeah, uh, I think Clayton Toon's also an interesting prospect because not only does he have like the traditional quarterback like body even though i don't think he's particularly athletic his like arm talent doesn't like uh blow me out the waters either he does have like the prototypical quarterback body and he has like the body of work in college i mean over the past few years he made that houston team somewhat relevant i remember them popping up into like the ranked teams as well uh, and he had an overall pretty promising career. I think his last two seasons was were very, very uh, good Division uh, one college seasons, uh, especially for a team that was never necessarily a powerhouse team. Uh, but I do still think his lack of just physical abilities and him obviously having a full career in college, he's also up there in age at this point. Uh, I just I think it might just be a little bit too late for him to uh, turn the leaf on his career. I think he just he does have it there mentally and he has the mental tools to succeed as a quarterback. But I just I think his lack of athleticism and honestly, even lack of opportunity, because at this point, being a fifth round pick, he's probably going to end up being written off for the most part. Uh, I do like that fit in Arizona. I think they're going to have to move on from Colt McCoy in a while. And he's been a pretty good backup for them, coming a lot for Kyler, who is seemingly always hurt. Uh, and I think Clayton Toon is a similar, has a similar skill set to Colt and can learn from him and can develop into that guy. And if he can end up becoming that, I think he could have a long career in the league backing up quarterbacks. Yeah, uh, agreed with most of what you said there. Um, so let's move on to 
um, Dorian Thompson Robinson, DTR going to the Browns. And um, I, I kind of like DTR. Um, he he has decent ability to play in, in the quick passing game. Um, and I especially like him playing in an RPO style offense. Um, he's kind of good uh, in terms of throwing on the run as well. Um, and he's an extremely good athlete. He he can play out a design run game. He's an excellent scrambler. Um, he has decent accuracy, and he he's not really um, reckless with the football. Um, but there are um, moments where his footwork kind of gets gets in his way, um, and he can kind of get a little bit too aggressive with the football. Um, but overall, I, I think that his athleticism and um, ability to execute. Uh, some style of passing offense will give him uh, a role in the league. Um, I could especially see him backing up quarterbacks um, like a Deshaun Watson or like um, a Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson um, or a Josh Allen uh, long-term where uh, the necessity of the quarterback mobility in those offenses uh, gives him a path to playing time. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of liked his, his feel as well. Um, there was, there was enough plays on film where I saw him being put into a tough situation um, and he still kind of excelled. So um, yeah, I kind of liked DTR. I would have expected him to go um, more on day two, but um, the Browns landing him just makes, just makes them a better team. Yeah. I not, not necessarily, I don't necessarily have the same uh, perspective on DTR, but before I get into that, I will say, I think the Browns picking him up is a, very very good spot for him I mean knowing his play style seeing how he played at UCLA uh guys like Deshaun Watson and Josh Dobbs are like very similar to him play style wise and I think it's a it's good for him to go to a team like that that actually does use players with his sort of skill set uh which could have gone to die somewhere else so I like that uh, but I will say overall, as a quarterback, I don't know if DTR uh, can tra- transition into that like backup quarterback type of role, which I think ideally is what he would probably want out of his career at this point. Uh, I don't necessarily see it happening because even though he played for a long time at UCLA, uh, as you mentioned, he was an incredible athlete. And I do think a lot of his success at UCLA uh, came from the fact that he was just an incredible high-level athlete and he was much more athletic than college defenders and he was able to kind of get out of the pocket, do what he needed to do. He didn't have to really dissect defenses. He was not running a pro-level offense, not making quarterback decisions on a regular basis, uh, at least in my opinion. And I think that's why he stuck around at UCLA so long. I mean, he was, I think, like a five-year starter uh, at UCLA. And I think the reason he didn't take off and go to the league earlier is because there was no real place for him. I think teams may want to keep him around as like a third, fourth-string type of guy because you, when you do face the occasional Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, you do want a guy in practice that can just be out there and kind of make some of the same plays to give you a look. But overall, as a quarterback, I don't think DTR has what it takes. And I think the third, fourth string kind of role is where he's going to stay. Uh, but I will say, I did say with a lot of the other quarterbacks, quarterbacks that have played a long time in college and are like long, long time starters, 
do end up figuring it out at a lot of places. And DTR was that guy at not just any school, but a power five school in UCLA. So I could see him figuring it out just based off that. Based off what I've seen in the film, I, I don't love him as a prospect. Yeah, I kind of I get where you're coming from. Um, he does have some inconsistencies, but the fact that they're inconsistencies and not uh, weaknesses is kind of the emphasis that I wanted to put out there. And um, him carving out a role in the league is is possible uh, to me. Um, so let's move on to uh, the next quarterback pick, which is Sean Clifford. And man, I do not like this pick at all. Um, Clifford was a guy who stuck out as having poor feel to me. Um, he is. Way too aggressive for a guy with not hyper elite arm talent, and his accuracy can just completely get away from him at times. Um, I also think that he doesn't have a uh, great ability to uh, consistently execute the offense, uh, often kind of going off and, and doing his own thing. Um, and, and the fact that he does not have elite athleticism as well, um, it, it really doesn't give me hope for him um, long-term as, as a prospect. And he's also extremely old. So he didn't check any of the boxes that I wanted to see, um, from, from the prospect. And, um, yeah, I mean, he has some athleticism, I guess. Um, and he is kind of, kind of aggressive. Um, um, but you know, he, he, the, the traits that Clifford showed from a negative standpoint far outweighed uh, what I saw from the positives. Yeah, I think the biggest raise for concern here with that that pick should be the fact that he is a current backup for an NFL team. Uh, I don't know what the Packers were thinking with giving up uh, Rodgers and moving Jordan Love to the starting position. They literally had no one else to go to, and they decided to go to Sean Clifford. So I think it's a, it's a massive, massive waving red flag, the fact that he's currently the backup on a roster right now because I agree with – pretty much all that you said. I, I'm not just going to dogpile on him and shit on him even more, but I really don't think he has the traits to be a backup NFL quarterback, uh, much like DTR. And again, he's also a five-year starter at a major Big Ten school, Penn State, but I think there's a reason he didn't leave there and he didn't get the attention because he was clearly at a school who – people watch on a week-to-week basis. I think part of the reason that Penn State has been like more of a run-heavy team, to my knowledge, is a lot because of him. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't see him being a backup-level quarterback. Maybe with the opportunity, he proves that to be wrong. Uh, but if I was the Packers, I'd be looking some elsewhere because that the, that's the biggest concern to me right here. Yeah, um, agree with what you said there. All right, let's move on to the next guy who got drafted, which is Jaron Hall to the Minnesota Vikings. And um, Hall was an intriguing guy to me. Um, he he has a fluid throwing motion and can get some decent zip on his passes, and he can kind of move a little bit. But uh, the reason that he's not going higher is because of, um, well, one, because of his age. But two, um, he, he just kind of doesn't have the greatest processing ability. Um, and I think that his feel is okay, but... Um, it's not really the greatest. He doesn't fully maximize his uh, mobility and, and his arm talent. So there's some tools here where he could develop into a nice backup guy, but um, I'm not too much of a fan of it. Uh, in terms of scheme fit, um, I do think that he could work in a play-action type of scheme, 
um, from a little bit from under center, even if he is a smaller quarterback, and definitely from gun. Um, but um, long term, I don't really see him as as a starter really ever. Um, and, and the higher end outcomes, he's just kind of like a nice backup. Uh, yeah, my take on uh, Jaron Hall is going to be very similar to what I was saying about a guy like DTR. I think uh, at BYU, his role wasn't necessarily to run an NFL-level offense. It was to be an incredible athlete uh, that led that offense and did a little bit of passing and a little bit of running and just kind of did what they needed to do. But he wasn't the kind of player that you would drop back, read defenses, have him make decisions. You just simplify the offense for him and let him do his thing. Uh, let him use his athleticism to make a kind of just go out there, make a football play. And I don't think that's, I also don't think that's something that could lead to starter level or backup level play. He's also up there in age, much like these other guys being 24, 25. I think he also spent, even though he didn't play for most of it, he did spend five years at BYU uh, and is just as old as all of these other guys. So I also think just like DTR, he's going to end up being a third, fourth string type of player. Teams may keep him around to have him give them a look. But other than that, he's I don't see much talent there. All right, let's move on to the next guy, which is probably the most exciting guy of these day three picks, in my opinion, and that's Tanner McKee. So McKee kind of reminded me a lot, um, not just because he's going to the Eagles, but um, he reminded me a lot in terms of strengths and weaknesses to with uh, Nick Foles. And um, he has a pretty powerful arm and has really, really good uh, size for, for the position. But he has really awful mobility um, and kind of doesn't really do a great job uh, keeping himself out of harm's way. Um, he does have some inconsistencies with his accuracy in the short area of the field, but he can definitely drive the ball uh, down the field. Um, and I, I kind of really like this pick by the Eagles. Um, I see a lot of traits with with McKee where um, with the Eagles' pass protection, um, he could definitely um, take up the, the time that um, they're, they're allowing for him and, and push the ball down the field uh, into tight windows uh, and can help mitigate some separation issues with the, which the Eagles don't have. Um, but um, he could definitely drop the ball into deep down the field into tight windows with those goal balls, uh, push it deep down the field on, on type of like dig routes and, and such. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a fan of um, what the Eagles did here with McKee. Um, they have one of the more moldable situations and offenses in the league. Um, so they can fit pretty much any quarterback. But um, still, um, I do think McKee is a good scheme fit here. Uh, I uh, don't necessarily feel the same way about McKee. I, I think with him being so massive, I mean, he's 6'6", like uh, I forget how much he weighs, but he's he is a massive guy, and him being so towering is going to make uh, playing the quarterback position easier up till the point where he might be a little bit too tall to play it, but he's a huge guy, and that automatically puts him at a little bit of an advantage but I think that's kind of where his skill set stops I think the only reason he has lasted this long uh in the draft process is because of how massive he is because watching him at Stanford I was not particularly impressed I think his athleticism with him being so big he's nowhere near as athletic as a lot of the other quarterbacks and I think that hinders his mobility 
I think it'll lead him in the NFL to a lot more sacks because he's such an easy target to get. Uh, I, I, I don't know, and I don't even think he's necessarily a great fit with the Eagles uh, because, at least for me, the way I like to get your backup quarterbacks is you want it to be someone similar you can plug into your main offense. And I think the pickups of Marcus Mariota and even Ian Book in the draft last year I think we're perfect for that. I think they have similar skill sets to Hurts enough to where you can get what you want with him. And with McKee, I feel like they don't need him right now in this QB room. I think it's kind of a redundant, wasteful pick, especially when you pair it with the fact that he doesn't fit into the offense. And with him being like 23 right now, uh, not a lot, whole lot of experience, I think he is a older but still project type of quarterback. And I just don't see him going any higher than that uh, fourth role on the team this year, probably not the next few years either. Uh, I don't see him lasting too long in the league because to me, you need one particular trait that makes teams want to keep you around when you're a backup. And I just don't see that with Tanner. Uh, yeah, I, I do see it a little bit with uh, his arm talent and his quote-unquote vision with his height um but i do get your concerns um and there is a high bust factor even relative to a sixth round pick um there's a chance that he could flame out pretty quickly i think um but let's move on to the last guy here um max duggan with the chargers so we did say the chargers need a backup quarterback um but i don't think this is the guy uh, <laughs> that that i was expecting them to have so uh, Duggan seems like a type of guy who you keep around as like a, a third string guy behind easton stick and justin herbert um, he's aggressive for the, for his offense, um, but doesn't really have the requisite like physical tools, um, to play the way he does, in my opinion, has a number of throws where it just like the ball really gets away from him and he doesn't really throw consistent spirals. So it's, it's just, it's just kind of a rough watch. Um, but I, I will say that he's aggressive and he does quote unquote have that dog in him. So, um, maybe there is, there is a way he can sneak himself into a backup role long-term. You were saying earlier that to you Tanner McKee is the most exciting of these day three picks, but to me, Max Duggan is easily the most exciting day three picks. And I love that you mentioned this because to me, all I really need to say is Max Duggan has that dog in him. Uh, maybe he doesn't. He doesn't have the characteristics you need to be a, a quarterback. He doesn't. He has a little bit of speed on him. He doesn't have the high level athleticism though. He doesn't have the size. But he's going to be the backup for Justin Herbert purely based off dog. And he's going to survive in the NFL purely based off that. And he's a cool dude. So, boom. Yeah, man. Um, making decisions off, off whether they're a cool dude, I really like that. Um, but, yeah, that'll wrap up our episode um, for this one. We wrapped up uh, the two big trades and all the quarterbacks in the draft uh, for this year. Um our next episode, after we take a little bit of a short break, will be us starting to break down all the quarterback rooms in the league um, with a number of, of tracking stats that I'll have ready by then. Um, so, yeah, make sure to stay tuned for that. It'll be our biggest project uh, on this podcast. Uh, excited to get mm -hmm. into it. Uh, anything else you no, want to add no. before we head out? Uh, just that I forgot to say it a second ago, but Duggan was a Heisman candidate. So, once again, he has Oh, What? <laughs> But yeah, other than that, I have nothing else to say. 
Uh, like PD said, tune in to that episode or future episodes in general. And if you want to hear more about uh, a lot of these quarterbacks, we talked about them, had full episodes on them. So go check those out. Uh, but with that being said, we're, we're out. All right. That'll be all for me. That'll be all from Potty. We'll see you guys in the next one. Make sure to leave a like, do what you need to do on whatever platform that you're on. We'll see you all in the next one. Peace. Peace.